Well, we're going to come back to God's word. If you have a Bible there, please return to Joel chapter 2. And I'm going to be focusing in particular on verses 28 to 32. So Joel chapter 2, verses 28 to 32. Now, you'll be well aware that uh, there is quite a somber mood about at the moment. We've got, um, for starters, the, the hangover from COVID and all of the impact that that has had on us as a nation and on the world. And then the war in Ukraine started back in February of this year. And the knock-on effects of that um, really uh, have affected us and will continue to affect us through the winter in different ways. We've got the cost of living crisis that is one of those knock-on effects which is causing quite a lot of concern for many people. And then we had a new prime minister who was appointed and everyone was saying, well, she's got, she's got a lot in her in-tray. She's got some major issues to tackle. But within two days or two days after, she was um, brought into her position of, of authority. Our queen passed away and that's had a profound effect upon us as a nation. And we await the funeral tomorrow and I'm sure that will be a very solemn occasion as well as we reflect upon her life and her witness for Christ in uh, her years on the throne. And perhaps as Christians we've also had for many years something of a sense of, of heaviness as we see the spiritual and the moral decay in our nation. And so there's a sense of foreboding, I think, many people have felt. And I've, I've talked to people sort of on the streets and other places, and they've, they've shared something of this heavy spirit that seems to be upon them because of this catalogue of, of issues and worries and concerns and sadnesses. And so it was in the days that Joel was prophesying in. Joel was speaking into a nation that was unsettled, a nation that was under threat, a nation that was concerned about what was going to come next. What disaster was coming down the pipeline for them that was going to affect them next? Joel was speaking to a nation that was in spiritual and moral decay. He was speaking to a nation that needed to repent and turn back to the Lord. But he was speaking as well to a nation that had a wonderful God-given hope. He was speaking to a nation that had, as it were, the door to life held open for them through the grace of their God. Look, for example, at um, some verses that come just before where we read earlier on. Uh, chapter 2, verse 12 and following. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious 
and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Who knows? He may turn and have pity and leave behind a blessing. These were the the wonderful promises that Joel was able to bring to a nation that was in a pretty dark and troubled place. He spoke to them of the grace of God and of the open door of opportunity that there was for those who would turn away from their sin and come back to the Lord with their whole hearts. They were a people to whom wonderful promises had been given. And now we live in days when those promises that Joel was speaking to the people all those years ago, where those promises have have begun to be fulfilled. And the door to life is, is held open still. And so we live Yes, in in troubled days, in uncertain days, in days where there are many things that concern us. But we also live in gospel days. We live in hope-filled days. And so now, in these days, with these promises that we're going to be looking at before us, it's a time not for only mourning and sorrowing and being concerned and worried, But it's a time, in fact, to to lift our heads and to go forwards in the hope that God has given to us. And that's what we're going to be thinking about this morning. So as we come to this passage, um, I'm going to take it um, under three headings. And they've all got got a P in them. Um, So firstly, the Spirit poured out. And then secondly, the day of the Lord presaged, and and that's a a word that means forewarned through certain events. And uh, I was trying to think of something that started with P, and that's what I came up with. (laughs) Thirdly, a refuge promise. That's a bit more obvious. So we've got a P for each one, and that will maybe help you to remember where we're going. Firstly, the Spirit poured out. The Spirit poured out. Look at what Joel says in verse 28. And afterwards... In those days, he's speaking to the people of Israel, but he's pointing forwards to events that were still in the future as he was writing. Events that would follow after the Lord's people had begun to enjoy the restoration. Afterwards, in those days, he said, well, what will the Lord do? He says... I will pour out my spirit. I will pour out my spirit. And he mentions that twice. It's there in verse 28. And it's also there um, in uh, verse 29. It's kind of bookending this, this first promise of what the Lord will do. The Lord is promising a definite act here. He's promising an act, an event in the history of redemption. I will pour out my spirit, he says. Now, the Holy Spirit was already at work and present and active through all of the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit was was at work even at creation. 
where the Spirit was hovering over the waters there, Genesis 1, verse 2. And as we read through the Old Testament, we see again and again references to the presence and the work of the Holy Spirit in Moses' life, for example. And uh, in the time when the, the tabernacle was to build, we, we read of the Holy Spirit giving gifts to certain people for the work of building the tabernacle. We come to the time of Joshua and Judges, and on many occasions we read of the Holy Spirit filling people and equipping people for the work that God was giving them to do. We could come to the life of David, for example. And he speaks some wonderful words. And he says, the Spirit of the Lord spoke through me. His word was on my tongue. You see, David was, was a prophet. In the things that he spoke and in the Psalms that he wrote, it was the Holy Spirit at work speaking through him. So the Holy Spirit was there. He was working. Through the other prophets, of course, the Spirit was at work. John the Baptist, he was a man filled with the Spirit. The Lord Jesus Christ was filled with the Spirit. And I include them in, in the Old Testament time because I'm taking the Old Testament times really up to the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and the day of Pentecost when this great event was, was, was to be taking place. All through those Old Testament days, the Holy Spirit was at work he was equipping people. He was present with them. He was regenerating God's true people. Yet our text here speaks of an advance in the Spirit's work, an expansion of the Spirit's work, a newer and greater work that the Holy Spirit would do. And it's something that others in the Old Testament foretold as well. In a number of places, for example, in Ezekiel, he speaks of a, a great expansion, a pouring out of the Holy Spirit. In Isaiah as well, Isaiah speaks of, of the Holy Spirit anointing the one who is to come and being poured out and filling his people. We can even go back again to Moses and there's an occasion where Moses is, is told that um, some people are prophesying in the camp and instead of being cross because they're in the camp and not out with him, he says, oh, oh, that all of the Lord's people would prophesy, that they would all be filled with the Spirit, that the Spirit will be upon all of them. You see, he had a yearning that the work of the Spirit that was present in a small way in some of God's people would be expanded and that all of God's people would be under the blessing and the power of his spirit and then we can come into the new testament and the lord jesus speaks of this expansion of the holy spirit's work let me give you an example from john chapter 7 where jesus says this whoever believes in me as the scripture has said streams of living water will flow from within him by this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive whoever believes in me says jesus will, will have the holy spirit in him and and flowing out and working through him you see he's speaking there of an expansion of the work of the holy spirit among god's people i could take you to countless other texts as well that speak of the same thing but we see very often that the connection is made between this new and expanded work of the Holy Spirit 
and the Lord's ascension back to the Father's right hand, where he and the Father give the Holy Spirit and send him down to be permanently present with God's people. So as active as the Holy Spirit had been through those Old Testament times, his work then had been just like gentle raindrops coming down at different times. Just like a, a trickle, as it were. But Joel, in our, in our passage here, he's saying, a time is coming when the Spirit is going to be poured out. There's going to be a fullness and a, an expansion and a greatness to the work of the Spirit. That's the promise. Afterwards, in those days, I will pour out my spirit on all people. And so it was on that great day of Pentecost. Many of you will know this story very well. But we read in Acts chapter 2 and verse 4 where the disciples were, were gathered together and they'd been praying. And then we read this, Acts chapter 2 verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This filling was, was in particular the time when they were clothed with power, as Jesus said they would be, when they were baptised with the Holy Spirit. And it was experienced by the whole church as one remarkable event, as all of God's people were empowered by the Holy Spirit and equipped them to serve the cause of Christ. It was a new dawn for the church of Christ. And that's why it was marked by those signs, the gifts of tongues, the, of languages that we read of there. And so Joel was prophesying a time to come when the Holy Spirit will be poured out in great power and glory. And when that day of Pentecost came, Acts chapter 2, prophecy was fulfilled the Lord promises he will pour out his spirit but on whom will he pour out his spirit well we see it in our text don't we and afterwards I will pour out my spirit on all people your sons and daughters will prophesy your old men will dream dreams your young men will see visions even my, on my servants both men and women I will pour out my spirit in those days. So you see young and old, you see men and women, all flesh, that's literally what it is on all people there. What the Lord is saying is that the Spirit now is going to come universally on all of his servants. In other words, the empowering and permanent presence of the Holy Spirit will no longer just be the preserve of a select few, but of all of the Lord's people. And these verses give us examples of how the Holy Spirit's presence will be seen. Prophesying and dreams and visions. It's not that all New Testament believers will be prophets or preachers in a technical sense. This is Old Testament language to describe how believers now speak about and, and understand the word and the ways of the Lord. As Jeremiah says in his prophecy, when he's speaking of these times... We won't need anyone to, to teach us because we'll all know the Lord. And of course, that's obviously not saying we don't need pastors and teachers because the New Testament does speak of those. 
But there's a sense in which all of the Lord's people in these New Testament days now know the Lord in a fuller and greater way than they ever did under the old covenant. So God was speaking through Joel, saying a time will come when I'm going to pour out my spirit and I'm going to pour out my spirit on all of my people in a fuller and broader and more permanent way than ever before. So can I encourage you this morning as New Testament believers in a New Testament church that the Holy Spirit is given to us. That it's our privilege to live in days where his blessed presence is with us always. Where we can never be separated from the presence of Christ because the Holy Spirit brings Christ to us. If you're in Christ, then you enjoy the comforting and strengthening and sanctifying benefits of which the Lord Jesus Christ spoke to his disciples all of those years ago. And can also encourage you to recognize that as a believer, a New Testament believer in Christ, you have a spirit-empowered part to play in serving the Lord Jesus Christ in your church and in your generation. And the gifts that we have will be, will be different and they'll vary, but the Spirit is with each one of us to serve the Lord Jesus Christ for the blessing of his church and the glory of his name. Here was a prophecy that Joel gave all of those years ago. It's been fulfilled. The Spirit has been poured out. He has now come and he is in us and with us for the glory of Christ. The Spirit was poured out. The second thing we see is the day of the Lord being presaged or, or foretold through these things. This comes out in verses 30 and 31 of our passage. Now Joel has already spoken about the day of the Lord earlier in his book in his prophecy but to be honest the things he said about the day of the lord have been pretty doom laden that's generally the case with the prophets and often the case actually with the new testament uh, usage of, of this phrase the day of the lord and the things that are said yet here in our text it's tied to a time of great salvation blessing and likewise as well, if you were to read on later into chapter 3 from verse 14, again, the day of the Lord is spoken of as being a time when salvation and blessing comes. Let's look at what we have in our text, verses 30 and 31. He says, I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. The language here reminds us of the Lord's appearances at, at Sinai. And before that, his dealings with Egypt when he was judging Egypt. They were, they were times of judgment on God's enemies. But they were also times, remember, of blessing and deliverance for God's people. 
You see, when God brings judgment on the enemies of his people, it's so that he can rescue, he can deliver, he can save his people. That's what's being spoken of here as well. That's what the great and dreadful day of the Lord will be. Yes, it will be a fearful day for the enemies of God and of his people. But it will be the day of final deliverance from enemies for all of us who are God's people. Now, the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 marked the opening of an era that will come to its conclusion with this great day of the Lord. The wonders and the signs that are mentioned here were seen, weren't they, in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. And there are other signs that will come before the day of the Lord comes. And the Lord Jesus speaks of those, for example, in Luke chapter 21. Listen to these words, the words of Christ. He says, when you hear of wars and revolutions, do not be frightened. These things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, famines and pestilences in various places and fearful events and great signs from heaven. And then later on in the chapter, the Lord says this, there will be signs in the sun, moon and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and the tossing of the sea men will faint from terror apprehensive of what is coming on the world for the heavenly bodies will be shaken at that time they will see the son of man coming with a cloud with power and great glory you see how he speaks there of of all of this great turmoil in the world and the signs that will be seen will be awesome Then, salvation, because Christ will come and we'll see him coming with the clouds of heaven as he he speaks there. Verse 28, when these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. When Christ comes, yes, it will be the time of of judgment, of, of bringing of this whole world order to its close but for all who are hidden in christ it will be the time of salvation and so we're to lift our heads we're not to be afraid when we see the turmoil and the chaos of the world and the opposition of the world against god's church we're to say these are the signs growing and growing until the time when christ returns we're going to have our heads up And we're going to go forwards, waiting expectantly for Christ when he appears. So let me apply these things to us. Now is the time for us to prepare. To prepare for that great and dreadful day of the Lord. Now how do we prepare for it? We can't stop its coming. But we prepare by turning to Christ. We prepare by taking our refuge in him. And we'll see a little bit more about that in a minute. The day is coming. The signs affirm the words and the promise of Jesus. You need to turn to him. Make him your hope 
and your salvation so that when he comes, it's not a day of terror for you, not a day of saying to the hills and the mountains to fall on us and hide us from the wrath of the Lamb, but a day of joy because it's our Savior coming and we long to be with him forever. We prepare by turning to Christ. Now, if you are the Lord's here this morning, then don't let the upheaval in the world knock your faith. And we can have our faith shaken at times because sometimes we don't understand why things are happening in the world, why things are happening in our lives. But we need to remember that Christ has spoken of these things. They are part of his plan. Jesus says to us, when we see the turmoil in the world, do not be frightened. He does not want us to be alarmed because he still reigns. And the signs of the times and the dark days are all part of his great purposes. We need instead to be encouraged because Jesus is on his way. We don't know when, I'm not predicting when he's coming but we know he is coming and we eagerly await eagerly await those new heavens and that new earth where righteousness dwells and where we will dwell with christ and then we also need to let the certain approach of that day the nearness of the lord really focus our hearts and minds and our energies on godliness on following him as closely and as faithfully as we can. This is how this truth is often applied in the New Testament. Let me just give you one example. Paul writing to the Romans in Romans 13 says this, Romans 13 from verse 12, the night is nearly over, the day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime not in orgies and drunkenness not in sexual immorality and debauchery not in dissension and jealousy rather clothe yourselves with the lord jesus christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh christ is coming and so put on christ and live for him as earnestly and faithfully as you can with his help. The Spirit poured out the day of the Lord presage. Thirdly and finally, the refuge promised. I've touched on this, so I'll be fairly brief. The refuge promised. Back in our text, verse 32, we read this. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved from Mount Zion, and in Jerusalem there will be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the survivors whom the Lord calls. The fearful day is coming, yes, but the Lord holds out his wonderful grace to everyone. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Or it could be, will have fled to safety, will have escaped. He speaks of the place of safety there. Mount Zion, Mount Jerusalem, that's where the deliverance is, as the Lord had said. That's his promised refuge. Pointing to the place where the Lord has his dwelling, where the Lord's name is known. 
deliverance among the survivors whom the Lord calls. That word survivors is speaking of someone who's fleeing from a disaster to survive that disaster. The warning has been sounded and they've, they've heeded it and they've, they've got up and they're, they're running for safety. Think of when the warning came to Lot that there was destruction coming on Sodom. He didn't get up very quickly, did he? He had to be taken by the hand and dragged out. The warning was given. He should have been quick. The Lord gives his instructions to his disciples when he's there with them on the Mount of Olives. He says, when this day of disaster comes to Jerusalem, be quick, get up, get out. Be a survivor by heeding the warning. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We call in response to the Lord's call. Do you see what it says there? Among the survivors whom the Lord calls. He's, he's calling to us to, to leave the place of destruction, to leave our sin, to come to him and find life and salvation. He calls us through the gospel. And we're to listen to his call, to take the word seriously, not to be hanging around like Lot was, or even worse, like his sons-in-law who, who didn't even get dragged out of the city. And destruction came upon them. Now, Joel, as he's speaking here, he's not preparing us to run literally from physical calamity. Remember, safety, escape, deliverance, survival comes through calling on the Lord. And these verses, I'm sure many of you will know, are quoted by Peter on that great day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. And notice when Peter quotes that verse, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Notice where he ends his quotation. He says, the sun will be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There's the call. Peter stops there. But at the end of his sermon in Acts 2, he picks up the second call, the Lord's call. There in Acts chapter 2, verses 38 and 39, Peter concludes by saying this, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and your children, for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. There it is. Just what Joel had spoken of all those years before. The Lord calls his gracious, effectual, saving call. We hear it as the gospel is preached and God by his spirit works in our hearts. And he awakens us and he gives us that desire to seek Christ, to seek life. He calls us. We respond by calling out to him, calling in repentance and faith for salvation. 
So it is when, when the Apostle Paul quotes those words as well. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, quotes them in Romans. And he speaks of how the gospel goes out, how people need to hear preaching, the word of God being declared to them, and the call comes through the preaching of the word. And you know, as a church, that's your great privilege, isn't it? To be calling the people around you to seek safety and refuge and salvation in Christ. To declare to the people around you that God is calling them to come to salvation. You have a great privilege to announce this call to the people around you. You have the great privilege as well to support and to pray for those who, who take this call of Christ to other places, whether it's across the UK or across the world. And perhaps, I don't know, maybe even among some sitting here this morning will be some whom the Lord will in particular call and equip to take this message and to go out and be there as one who calls others to come to Christ as, as a, an evangelist, as a, as a pastor, as a missionary, I don't know. But to be given the task in the local church and further afield of calling men and women and boys and girls to Christ is, is the most enormous privilege to go as a herald of Jesus, the Saviour. And that is our joy and our privilege today. The Spirit has come as God said he would. And the call goes out the people around you here in Basildon, across Essex, across the UK, across the world, that the refuge from the storm of God's wrath is ready, that there is salvation in no one else, but there is salvation in Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run to it and are saved. We're not righteous in ourselves, we're righteous in Christ as we come to him. May we be people here and wherever we may go who will take that call out and urge people to find life and safety in Christ that he will be glorified, that his church will be built and that more people will be there to welcome Christ with joy on the day when he comes on the clouds with power and great glory people who found him to be their refuge and their salvation. Let's close this part of the service by singing Jesus' Lord, the cry that goes through creation. And so we'll sing of the one who we've come to know, I trust we've come to know as Lord and Saviour returning 